gives and gives. And in some ways, you know, you know, there's areas in his personal house that we would love to fix up, to paint, fix, replace, whatever that kind of kind of thing. So we've been working beef, faith, and rifle, and so, and so Joe Wharf back there. He's been working on actually getting quotes and some amazing contractors. That actually, some of them are really giving some, almost cutting their prices in half just so maybe we could do this for Pastor Doug's house. Um, and some of this work could add up to about um, about uh, $14,000. That's a big deal. But, hey, there's nothing big in God. You know, like, it's too big. So, like, we can offer, we can do a, uh, an offering to love on Pastor Doug in this way just to, to bless him towards home improvements, whatever, just to bless the man and his wife, Cindy, who sacrificed so much for us and just lay down a life for us constantly and get up and keep loving. And so um, if you want to do that today, obviously let your tithe be your tithe and your offering be your offering. So obviously if you, you can write one check if you want to or two separate checks, it's up to you. Like your one check's your tithe, the one check's your offering. Or in the one check, you can put in the memo, break down your amount. Just say you're giving $2,000, right? And you'll, okay, 1000 and tie 1000 to Pastor Doug. You know, something like that. You can put that in your memo. And so, and then Miss, Miss Faith, who runs all the finances in the books in the office, she knows how to designate which goes where. Or if you came and you're watching on the web stream and you're like, oh, man, I missed out. No, you didn't miss out. Because on our website, there is a way to donate money and designate funds. So you can designate that for a special offering for Pastor Doug and it goes straight to Pastor Doug. We know where that goes. Okay? Cool? Awesome. Wonderful. Super awesome. So I'm going to pray. And so, yes, please let your tithe be your tithe and your offering be your offering. You know, you sow into the kingdom and Pastor Doug. So, Jesus, we just thank you that you are the best leader. And you're a good leader. And you're Father, and Father, just amazing Father. And we just love being part of your kingdom. We love being a part of your kingdom. We love getting to, like, lavish love, whether it's in our time or energy in our, or in our finances. That we can give back, God, what you've given us. We can bless others for the, from the same blessings you give us, you've blessed us with. So, Father, out of our hearts, Father, we give today. Not out of just, you know, our obligations. Obligations fall to the wayside. But out of our hearts, of love, we, we, we sow into the kingdom and we sow into Pastor Doug and Cindy to release love this morning in our offerings and our finances, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we bless you. We bless every bit of the finances that go forth into the kingdom and that will be fruitful and multiply. In Jesus' name, amen. So these baskets are going to go around. Now it's going around Pastor Chip. Mr. Pastor Chip is going to come up here for a minute. Yeah, Pastor Chip. So, Pastor Chip is going somewhere. Please share with us first, and we're going to pray for this man together. Thank you. Um, again, I said this before, but I want to say it to everyone because there's such a long list. To those that gave and contributed, not only to the expense of me getting over to Latvia to minister at a conference, which that's a new thing for me. I'm actually, I'm the sole speaker at this conference. So, um, it's, it's, it's praise God. It's a new thing. Um, but also for Pastor Victor, um, we've seen about $4,000 come in for his car. Um, and so we're still believing for the, the remainder. And so Pastor Victor is one of our missionaries. And if you want to still help, help him in that, just, you know, bless Pastor Doug, please. (laughs) Um, the man deserves it, but also if you have it in your heart, um, you can just give through Harvest because he's one of our missionaries. So, um. So what I'm going to be doing, I am leading a conference called Waves of Grace. I'm speaking on a number of things, specifically on what the definition of what it means to be born again. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, those that are born again shall see, perceive, understand the kingdom. And that's not just a physical seeing, that's a spiritual seeing. We're going to be talking about Psalm 45 and the, and the, and the oil of unity, which I also believe is analogous to the oil of gladness. And how God has given us a place in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John 17, Father, may they be one. That's not about us being in proximity with each other, but in proximity and oneness with him. And out of that comes glory and power. Amen? And a number of other things, which I won't belabor the points, but 
just pray for my family, pray for me, pray for Latvia, because I'm going to be releasing some words that deal with the nation. I'm also going to be releasing a word over the church that I'm going to, and I'm meeting with the pastor that Friday. And so just pray for the fellowship, that he would feel the love of fellowship, but that I would be able to release that word in power to him and his congregation because it's, they carry, every church has a mandate that it carries, and this church has a mandate that it carries. And you have to understand, Latvia is not a very big country. Most of you not, probably not even sure where it might be, but it's a gateway to the, between Russia and Europe. And all of the main Gazprom pipelines that come into Europe, one of the places they go through is Latvia. Uh, it's a warm water port that was one of the main water, warm water ports for the former Soviet Union. It's a key, key area and is, is very important, strategic. Um, and so the Lord has great things for that nation and its influence in Europe and beyond. And I am going because I am being sent out from us. And so I'm asking you all to send me out today. So if you want to pray for Pastor Chip, come on, join me up here. We're going to send him out in some spiritual blessings of prayer. Come on. So we, uh, we can just jump on in the Korean-style prayer. We just jump on in and pray. God, we thank you for Latvia, Jesus. We thank you for Latvia, God. Let the word of the Lord run swiftly and be glorified, Jesus. We bless their servant, Chip, God, to release the word of the Lord, God, to release and shift the atmosphere in, in that country, God, where hearts will receive your kingdom. Minds and hearts and bodies will be shifted, God, for healings and bodies, healings and hearts, God. We just bless that country, God, with the kingdom of God, the advancing of your kingdom, Jesus. We just bless Chips and all of his travels and all his connections there, God. Every favor and grace will surround him to step into every single moment, God. We bless him. We fill him right now in the name of Jesus. By the Holy Spirit, a fresh release. Shut that one. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, amen and amen. Without no further ado, we spare no expense from all the way from South Africa. We brought in the man of the word of the Lord, Pastor Chip Rifle. Rifle Skitter. Good morning, everybody. Wasn't worship amazing? Really just, wow, the presence of the presence of God through that worship. Thank you, Pastor Jason and, and the team. That's the same power that split the Red Sea that we could feel this morning. You realize that? The same power that opened the Red Sea is what we felt this morning. It brought some to tears, some screaming, some dancing, some shouting, but the same power. And we're still alive. Didn't kill us. That, that same power that when they touched the Ark of the Covenant, if they touched it in a, in a wrongful manner, they died. Because it's just so powerful. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because we are now houses fit for a king, 
you know that you're a house fit for a king. You have a king that lives on the inside, the king of the universe. Because of that sacrifice in his blood, he can now touch you and you can cry. He can now touch you and you can laugh. He can now touch you and you will not die because of the new covenant that we are in. Man, Jesus, wow. In any case, worship was wonderful. And it's so nice to see the different ways that people worship. Some shout, some sit in a corner and cry, some just look, some dance. And every single way that every single person worships is a, is a titbit of God in them. You see, God is so multifaceted that he made so many different colors, so many different personalities, so many different ways of doing things because he's just not one-dimensional. And when you take all the different styles of worship and you put it together, you have a tiny piece of God. That's why the worship to watch people is so... You know, I hear the whole time people talk about color. What color is God? Does it mind if, if you white and if God was black, if God was Hispanic, if he were Chinese, would you still worship? You know what the Old Testament saints, the prophets, says in the word that when they looked at God, he was like a, a fire from the loins up and he was like a fire from the loins down. That was God. Have you ever really, really sat and looked at fire? Really intentionally looked at it. There's green that comes out of those flames. There's blue. There's purple. There's orange. There's black. There's white. Where do all those colors come from? From him. So what color is God? Whatever color you are. Why would you have a problem with the skin color of another person if that's the skin color that God has or the color that he is on the inside? How, how dare you have a problem with another person's color if God is all of that and more? Thank you once again for the worship, guys, and Holy Spirit. That was marvelous. Um, a new sermon series called Living a Resurrected Life. This was not what we had planned. This, we had another plan of action. And last week when uh, we, some of us went camping and we came back, Pastor Doug sent out what's going to happen in the following service, and he sent out an email saying, we're starting a new sermon series called Living a Resurrected Life, and I'll be announcing it last week. So when I arrived on Sunday after our camping trip, I said, what's happening here? This is not what we planned. And the Holy Spirit woke Pastor Doug up one night, two or three o'clock in the morning, and started downloading stuff and just giving him stuff. And he said he went down into his study and he started writing and writing and writing. And Holy Spirit just gave him. And then Pastor Doug looked after he had all of this stuff. He wanted to go back to bed, but he couldn't. He was so awake. So he went back and he checked on the calendar of the church. And it just so happens to be that everything that God was ministering to Pastor uh, Doug at night was exactly what is happening now with our Sunday school program. We're having a, a people coming in in June for a summer series. So all of this is just falling in place. So that is why we started immediately with a resurrected life. So it just followed on for you who were here last week just talking about Easter and the resurrection of Christ and he was raised for our justification to, to start off from there. So we're busy with a new sermon series called A Resurrected Life. So that's uh, what we'll be doing until the first week of June, actually. We're going to be looking at that. So if we had more time and left Pastor Chip up here, I think he would have done my whole teaching. So half of my notes are gone. I'll have to throw that away and think of something else. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Chip. Really appreciate that. There we go. One spirit, one baptism, now one new teaching. Could we please have John fourteen twelve on the 
Thank you so much on the screen there. Most assured, this is Jesus talking. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Do you believe this? You see, it all starts with faith. Because if you don't have faith for anything, it, it can't happen. Everything happens through faith. So many times people read the Bible and they say, that can't be true, that can't be for me, I can't do that, he doesn't know me, do you know what I've done? And they have so many excuses to nullify the word of God, yet that is a truth. That doesn't change. So do you honestly believe that you and me can do greater works than Jesus? Because if you don't, stick around. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Right. So what is a good work? What is a good work? Jesus says you will do the works that I, and greater works. What works did he do? What are the good works he's talking about? We're going to look at that today as well. In John 20, 21, if we are going to live this resurrected life, John 20, 21, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. That's a phenomenal statement. That was not just to those guys sitting in the room there. It's the same statement that he would make to us today. As the Father sent me, so I send you. What were you and I sent to do? What did Jesus do? Lay down his life for his brethren, heal the sick, raise the dead, all of the things that he did, he said, I was sent to do that. I showed you how to do it. I'm going to the cross so that you can have the same spirit and power that enabled me that will dwell with and within you and will never leave you nor forsake you. So now that you've seen the blueprint, me, Jesus, how to do it, now you go and you do exactly the same. And by the way, because you're all going to be doing it together, you will do greater works. Because I could only be one place at one time. But you can be all around the world at exactly the same time doing the greater works. So what are these works that Jesus is talking about? And how did he send? How was he sent? And how is he sending us? We have to look at it. We're going to look at a couple of things. Jesus lived a supernatural life after he was baptized. After the baptism came and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And we should do the same. We, we're going to look at things that Jesus did that we need to do as well. Good works doesn't necessarily, I, I believe, mean the good things that he did. It's also a good work if you go through something horrific, but you come out on the other side still standing, still believing, and still knowing that he loves you. And that that circumstance did not change his love for you and you still walk and you still talk and you still live as if nothing bad has happened in your life. That's also a good work to be able to come out on the other side of something better but not bitter. That's what Jesus said. Because living this resurrected life, you and I are going to face some things that are just not nice. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Many people camp there, however, and they stop there. That's not what the verse says. The verse goes on and he says, however, or but, I give you my peace. I've overcome the world, therefore you can also. But we go through stuff in this resurrected life of ours that we don't necessarily want to go through. But no man, no woman, no child has ever been promised by God that this resurrected life that you live, no hassle, no trouble, no issues will come. But he said, look at my life. Because man, if we look at the life of Jesus, he went through some stuff. But he never doubted the Father's love. He never doubted his call. He never doubted what he was called to do here on earth. And he says, just as I was sent, so I send each and every one of you as well. 
So a good work can be going through a situation or circumstance that is sometimes very, very hard, don't understand, don't get it, but to still say, God loves me, this is not him, healing, peace, shalom, all of that is his perfect will for me, and I'm going to contend for that no matter what. God is good, and he's in control of my life. Because I have died to self, and I no longer live, but Christ lives through me. So that's what we're going to look at as well. So if we think about the things Jesus went through as God and as man. I just wrote down a couple of things. Like Jesus as a man. Um, Judas betraying him for 30 pieces of silver. Judas had the money bag. The Bible says he was a thief. The Bible says he was taking money from that bag. So money wasn't an issue for Judas. And over and above the money that he had, he still, for 30 lousy pieces of silver, goes and portrays Jesus after everything he did. That's just Jesus, the man, thing that he had to face. Peter denying him after everything he did for Peter. Filled his boat, healed his family, just showed him such amazing things, things happening through Peter. And yet, when, you know, we would say he needed him the most, he was not there. He denied him. Jesus, the man, that's what he had to go through. His own people saying that they wanted Barabbas to go free. And they knew he was guilty, but they shouted and they cried, give us Barabbas, crucify that man. Jesus, the man, had to go through that. Mary and Martha, when their brother Lazarus passed away, and the two of them come and they have very different ways of addressing the same issue, but one of them comes and kind of insinuates, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. So thank you for staying away. Now he's dead because of you. And Jesus, when he goes to the grave, he cries, he weeps. But people that were so close to him that would come and point the finger and say, it's your fault. Where were you? If Jesus went through this kind of stuff, you and I, brothers and sisters, are also going to go through this kind of stuff. But we saw the way Jesus reacted. So he said, just as the Father sent me, so I send you as well. So that when that stuff happens, we can see what Jesus did and how Jesus acted. As God, Jesus as God. In the beginning when he took seeds from heaven and planted them on earth in the Garden of Eden. I've said this before, but he, he took the seed that was in heaven and he planted it in the Garden of Eden. And he knew that when he made and created that very seed, that that seed would be planted and would grow up and make another seed. It would be planted, grow up, make another seed. Till finally one day they would chop down that tree. And make a cross out of that tree from the very, very first seed that he took from heaven and planted in the Garden of Eden. The God side of Jesus. Knowing that this perfect seed that I plant now, I will one day hang on to pay for the sins of my people. He went through that. He did that. The guy who nailed his hands into the cross and Jesus looking at his fingerprints as he's busy hammering the nails into Jesus' hands. And Jesus remembering how he so finely and so perfectly made his fingerprint unique from everyone else in the world. And the perfect calling that he had. And looking at that fingerprint, knowing that he did that before the foundation of the earth. And here this man thinks he has the power. <laughs> and he has the... I don't know, what would you say? The might to nail the Savior to the cross. And Jesus, looking at his fingerprint, knew when he created that fingerprint. Yet that fingerprint was banging a nail through his hand. That, that's the life Jesus lived. As the Father sent me, so you and I were sent. Be of good cheer, he's overcome the world. This is not a doom and gloom message, but this is the truth. 
because sometimes we walk into things walking this resurrected life, and when we come into an obstacle, we think this shouldn't be happening. Why me? How's this? We're not promised that these things will not come, but we are promised that we can be full of cheer because he has overcome even that. So that when we come into these circumstances, they don't catch us offside. They don't catch us blindly that we say, oh my goodness, what now? Where are you? Why is this happening? But we know that this is the life that I've signed up for when I died to self. He's never leaving me nor forsaking me. We're going through this. And when we get on the other side, I will be better than I was before this thing ever came. So that's some of what we're going to look at today. Okay. Many things we see in the life of Jesus made him what he was. And aided him in the life that he could live. And so many of these things we can physically do today as well. We want to look at three things today. Number one. We need the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus did. That's one thing. Number two, just like Jesus, we need to receive and know the love that the Father speaks over us. And third, Jesus kept his focus on the Father all the time, no matter what happened. He kept his focus there. So we're going to try and look at these three things and see how far we get. So number one, we need the Holy Spirit to aid us just like Jesus did. So Jesus gets baptized, and before he gets baptized, we, we have very little information really about Jesus. How many miracles did he do before he was baptized? None. What was he doing when he was 16? What was he doing when he was 18? We don't hear nothing, 25, 21st birthday, 25, 28. We don't hear anything. We start hearing when he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, not a dove, like a dove, came and descended upon him and stayed on him. Now we start hearing. As soon as he left there, the Holy Spirit directed him to the wilderness to fast for 40 days. So as soon as he received Holy Spirit, direction came as into do this. This is what you're going to do. This is how we're going to do this. And steps of this is, this is, this is followed. As soon as he received Holy Spirit. Are we so close to Holy Spirit that we can also receive steps and clear direction where to go, what to do, things that we need to do, things we shouldn't need to do. Yes, we have that same availability of the Holy Spirit. Do we use that opportunity that we have with Holy Spirit? Do we listen and obey as we should? Do we pray in the Spirit, hearing revelations from heaven? But Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, and we hear after he was baptized in Holy Spirit that all these things started happening. We also need Holy Spirit. And then after we've received Holy Spirit, we can start believing for exactly the same stuff. Because it's the same Spirit that helped and did it for Jesus, working in and through us. The greater works we shall also do by help of the Holy Spirit that he sent to us. So we look at a couple of verses here that Jesus mentioned about Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 15 to 17. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you know that it's impossible to keep his commandments without Holy Spirit aiding us? How many of you, before you were reborn, tried because you were morally moved or stirred upon to try and do something good? And it was just impossible. And the more you said, I'm not going to swear, I'm not going to cuss, the more it happened. I'm not going to go to that place Friday night, I'm not going to drink... Saturday you woke up, didn't know what happened Friday night. <laughs> Impossible to obey his commandments through loving him if we do not have Holy Spirit. On the flip side of the coin, when we do receive Holy Spirit, now it's possible to love him because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And we love him by showing that we obey his commandments. 
and we don't obey to show that we love, because we love, we obey. Okay? So once you get that Holy Spirit, now He's going to be moving on your heart. And things that we used to do that didn't bother us, now they're going to feel not right on the inside anymore. Why? Because that's Holy Spirit saying, this is not the way that I have for you. And He will lead and guide you as Jesus promised. So if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Do you think Jesus' prayers were answered? Do you think Jesus made a statement, went and prayed to the... Do you think Jesus lied? Because he says, I will pray to the Father. I will pray the Father. Do you think he didn't pray? No, he doesn't lie. So he did pray. Number two, do you think his prayers were not answered? For whatever reason, the Father would say, ah, no, not for that person. No, not there. He didn't. He's, he prayed, and we got it. So we have Holy Spirit with us. So he will send you another helper. Not another one to come and condemn. Not one to come and judge. Not one to come and put you down. Not one to hit you when you're laying on the ground. But another helper. We have to, have to, have to realize there's a difference between condemnation, conviction, help leading, guiding, counseling. For some of us, many of us have had very bad counselors in the natural. We've had very bad help in the natural. And now when you hear the word helper, you think, well, if my school teacher, my parents, my older brother, my, they did this, then Holy Spirit must be the same. And he's completely different. He's just like Jesus. Jesus said, I will send one just like me. He's a helper. And he helps in every single thing that we do. Without even knowing it, he's helping us. He's helping us here right now, what he wants to have us here. He's just amazing. So Jesus says, I will send a helper. That he may abide with you forever. He doesn't go away when you do wrong. He's not ashamed of you if you slip up. People may point the finger and people may say, how dare you? And you should have known better. That's not what this verse says. He will abide forever. He doesn't go. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you no matter what. There is no sin that you and I can do that the blood of Jesus did not pay for, that the Holy Spirit would leave for a millisecond and say, that sin was so great, I can't be in that presence anymore. That's the kind of helper he is. And he never leaves nor forsakes. And if Jesus had to have this and believe this and walk and live in this, so much more do we. But we have to believe that Jesus gave us this helper that he said, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So wherever you go, he is there. Wherever you go. Remember last week we spoke about Romans 5.1. Therefore, because of chapter 4, we now have peace with God. Wherever you go, that Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And, and there should be peace. That God is for me. The verses such as, if God be for you, who can be against you? They should really have a different meaning now. If God is for me, who can be against me? He's living on the inside of me. There's peace between me and God. Wherever I go, there should never be fear of him or wrongdoing or maybe I've missed it. Maybe I'm too old. Whatever fearful and anxious question or thing that comes up in your mind, that is not of God because he's a spirit of truth and he's peace. He's a helper. He's kind and loving. John 16, 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Very important. He's leading, he's guiding every day. And so many people are saying, I just don't know what to do. I have no idea. I don't know where I'm going. And they're just nullifying the job of Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, Jesus cannot lie. He will lead and guide you into all truth. That's concerning your spouse, concerning your children, concerning your finances, concerning your job. All the time he's there and he's leading and he's guiding. Are we listening 
to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit? Are we saying, well, he doesn't talk to me like he talks to you. And meanwhile, the Holy Spirit is there all the time because Jesus said he would be. So Jesus said he will lead and guide you into all truth. Um, John 16, 12, Jesus is talking about the helper. And he says, just before he goes away, before 16, 13, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now because you don't have the helper yet. There's so much more that the greatest teacher walking on God's green earth could not teach his disciples because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. But he said, when he comes, man, he will lead and guide you into all truth. He can teach you. He can show you things to come. That verse that says, what eyes not see, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man. God has prepared for those who love him. Now Holy Spirit can do that. And he can show you things that nobody has ever seen. Things that he has prepared for those who love him. Who loves him? We do. He's going to show you stuff that hasn't entered into the heart of man. So we're coming to a place right now where Holy Spirit will reveal things to you. And you cannot go to another flesh being and say, do you think this is God? Because they're going to say, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> Why? Because you are so unique and your calling is so amazing that he's got something just for you that nobody else has heard of. They're not called to do that. Your gifts, your talents, your anointing can do that thing that he's showing you. Stop going to others. It's good to have the wisdom, but if he's spoken to you in here, step out of the boat in faith. Because you are so unique. There's not another thumbprint, not another destiny, not another call like yours. And if he will lead you into all truth, it means there's a truth that he will lead you into that wasn't a truth yesterday. It wasn't here yesterday. But because you are here today, now the truth can come to you. And no one else has that. So you can't go and say, do you think this is God? You have to know, man, this is God leading me. Maybe somebody has never ever. Man, t take something as stupid as the hula hoop. <laughs> really, something as stupid as the hula hoop. Just came to my mind now. Can you imagine the, the person who got the idea for the hula hoop? If they went to somebody else and they said, man, I've just got this great idea. This is amazing. What is it? I'm going to make a circle and people are going to dance in it. I'm going to make millions of dollars. No shouting from the peanut gallery, please. If this person came to someone else and said, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make millions of dollars. What, what would you think if someone said, I'm going to make a circle? I'm, I'm going to make a hula hoop. <laughs> and today, every single time a parent, a child, a student buys a hula hoop, that person is still making money. So, don't laugh at the hula hoop. The Holy Spirit can come to you and reveal something to you that may seem so ridiculous. And you can't confer with flesh and blood because it comes from deep calling unto deep. And you've, you've been through stuff like that. You've done something in your life where other people have said, man, you just lost your mind. That's crazy. Serving Jesus is probably one. You've had family members, friends, people who you used to hang out with that were, man, you've lost your mind. You're, this is, you're taking this too far. But praise God. So don't, don't think it's strange when you start receiving things, when we spend time with Holy Spirit and He starts revealing to us things that other people haven't seen or heard because this is a time we live in. And He will do that for us. So that's what Holy Spirit does. Praise God. Um. Number two, just like Jesus, we need to receive and know the love that the Father has for us. Very, very important. We're going to look at the love and the faith connection as well. Um, 
Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17, please. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. The heavens have not been closed since then. Heavens are open. Old covenant, Isaiah, believe it is, he prays, Oh, that thou would render the heavens. And today we have so many saints still praying, Oh, please, open the heavens. Praise God, the heavens are open. Heavens are open over us. Okay, so heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God ascending upon him like a dove and lying upon him. And suddenly a voice came down from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Was that voice for the people or was it for Jesus? Because you see, some people heard the voice of God and they said, were those angels, was it thundering? Other parts of the Bible in the gospel, they heard a voice and they said, was that thunder? It's God speaking. So if Jesus needed to hear how loved he is, and he needed to receive that love, how much more you and I? And just after this, when he goes into the desert and the enemy comes to him, he says, you, are you truly the, the, the son of God? And he leaves out the word beloved. If you are the son of God. He didn't say if you are the beloved son. Because it's all got to do with that love connection. If you do not know how loved you are, your faith is not going to work. We'll look at that now. Everything starts with knowing how loved you are. That's the... That's the start of this new life that we lived. I'm so loved. Now you made a mistake. <laughs> I'm so loved. You didn't do the right thing. I'm so loved. How many of your parents, how many of your children made mistakes? And they still loved. They still in your home. You still care. You still love. You still do everything that you possibly can. Even if they have left the home and they are not there, why? Because there's just that something of a parent in him for the child. There's something in God that's missing. That's you and I, because we came out of him. So there's always that little space of you and I in him that he will always hold dear to his heart. But Jesus, when he received Holy Spirit, he heard the Father say, this is my beloved son. No miracles up until then. Didn't do anything that we can say, man, that, you know, that was just phenomenal. That was Jesus. We read of him getting lost. Mary and Joseph went to the temple and Jesus is sitting there. You know, why didn't he tell them where he was? Why, you know, so many things. That's what we read about Jesus. But the father comes and he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the only thing we know about Jesus up until that time was that he spent time with the father. That's all. No miracles, no wonders happening, just always spending time with the Father. They go to the temple, they leave. Jesus is staying there. He's in the Word. He's in the Old Covenant. He's in the book. He's looking. He's spending. He's asking questions. That's all that we know about him. But the Father still says from heaven, this is my beloved Son. And whenever Jesus went through I believe a hard or a difficult part of his life, that just resounded on the inside of him. I'm beloved. I'm the beloved of my father. Therefore, this circumstance doesn't change who I am, doesn't change who he is. All it means is this, this needs to change. But his love for me never changes. And my love for him never changes. It just grows. As he sent Jesus, Jesus sent us as well. So look at Galatians 5, 6, please. Very important in this resurrected life of ours. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. So whether you keep the law perfectly, don't keep the law, he says, but faith working through love. Your faith works through how much you know you are loved. Faith working through love. If you do not know how loved you are of the Father, 
your faith will not work the way it should. That's a, a great step, a very important point in this resurrected life. Because you're going to need to walk by faith, not by sight. Because the just shall live by faith. All of these things about faith, faith, faith. Every single day you and I have to live, walk, see by faith. And if we do not know how loved we are, we're going to see not the way the Father sees. And we're going to understand wrongly. So then circumstances will have a great pull instead of the love of God on our lives. You can go and pray for someone. Maybe you've done something wrong. And the enemy comes in in the back of your mind. He says, well, you did this, you did that. So how can you pray for them? Why do you think you can do anything? And if you don't know how loved you are, that relationship the Father has with you, now you're going to be worrying about that while you're praying for the person instead of how loved I am. And now your faith doesn't work even when you pray. Faith works through love. In this life that we live, Jesus died on the cross for you. That's how much you are loved. Jesus, sinless, didn't do anything wrong. The Father gave him up to get you back. That's the price that was paid for you and I. That's how worthy you are. The price of the life of Jesus Christ. So love should never, ever be doubted in our mind, should never be able to be played around with, minimized, because the love of God is just there for us. It's all throughout the word. And when we know how much we are loved, then our faith will work. Because faith works through love. It's the most amazing thing when you start realizing, I mean, we're still growing and getting revelation, but when you can really go and pray for someone in the name of Jesus, despite me, and they get healed, wow, <laughs> what's that? The love of God. That's amazing, that he would use me, that he would use you. He's got no one else to use. He has to use us. We're his body. And he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. But Jesus knew how loved he was. And he says, when you go out to do the works that I did and greater, you must also know how loved you are, just as I knew how loved I was. Very, very important. Jesus never questioned the Father's love for him because of situations he went through. He never complained about what happened to him. He never judged or estimated his worth by situations or circumstances that he went through. Neither can we. We do not have that right. Circumstances happen that are unfair. Life is unfair. Things happen that are unjust. Things happen that are not right. But we can't allow those things to determine how worthy we are in the eyes of the Father. Because so many people live their lives according to circumstances and situations. And in this resurrected life, we do not have the right to do that. Our walk is based on Jesus going to the cross and being raised because of our justification. That's it. So no matter what we face every single day, that has nothing to do with the love of God. And if that is not settled, then the enemy can play tricks on you. And he's playing too many tricks in the church. He's playing too many tricks on humanity. It's not just the blood that paid for the people inside these four walls of the church, but everyone on the street, because we were once there. And they were also paid for. But until you know the love of the Father, your faith is not going to work the way that it should. So don't determine life by your circumstances. Determine the circumstances by the life that you live. Jesus died for you. He has given you the authority, the power. He says all victory. Every circumstance, we have the victory through Christ Jesus. That's what this resurrection victory life is about. Colossians 1 verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
that in all things he may have the preeminence. Nothing has the right in our lives to take preeminence but Jesus Christ and his love for us. No circumstance, no experience, nothing that happens can be raised to the point where it reaches a level higher than the love of God. He has preeminence in everything. In everything. You may be facing something today. You may be walking through something that is just horrible, terrible. But you cannot let that circumstance raise itself higher than the purpose and the love that God has for you. If we want to be successful in this life, and Jesus said we can be, we have to know that we know that we know that we live from a victory, uh, from a stance of victory. We don't go to look for, we're coming from a position of victory because we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the way this life is going to work. And if we don't look at every situation, good or bad, from a heavenly perspective, but if we start living through the carnal eyes, the feeling, the taste, the five senses, that's not where our victory is. That's where the enemy wants to get us. So we have to live from a position of victory. In uh, verse seven, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. We've already heard Jesus receive the, the voice of the Father. This is on the Mount of Transfiguration. Look what happens here. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, didn't the father say it already? If he says it once, pay attention. He says again, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But now he adds something. He adds something onto that. He says, hear him. This has to do with the old covenant and the prophets because he was with Elijah and Moses on the, on the mountain. But God the Father is saying, this is my beloved son. You do what he tells you to do. Hear him. You do what he tells you to do. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So we were sent in exactly the same manner as Jesus. To do the works that he did and greater. So God the Father said to you and I, hear him. So go in the same manner. Do what he told you to do. And it's not just the word, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking in us today as well. Do as he tells you to do. Okay. Then we'll go to Hebrews chapter 8. Oh, sorry, Hebrews 2 verse 8 and 9. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. There's nothing that is not put under the feet of Jesus, the church. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. There are things happening that shouldn't be happening. There are things happening that are just not right. And so many times the enemy makes us focus on those things. But look what the verse goes on to say. But we see Jesus. Everything has been placed under his feet. That's where we start. That's when we pray. That's our prayer. That's our dominion. That's our authority. But we do not see everything happening yet that we want to see. But what do we see? We see Jesus. Goes on about the cross. Who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. You and I have done all the dying we're going to do. Death shouldn't be a fear for us. Hebrews 2.14 says that he who had the power of death has been stripped of that. So just like you taking off a jacket or a coat and putting it on the ground, there's no pain, there's no fear in that. When you leave this body, it's exactly the same. There's no fear in death. He has tasted death for us. So the enemy can't come and torment us with a fear of death. But in this resurrected life, we are going to see things that we've prayed and we've believed and somewhere we have missed it because God never misses it. Healing always comes. Healing is always his will. 
But sometimes we pray and the healing doesn't come. What do we do? We see Jesus. Because if we start looking at that which didn't work and that which I believed and didn't happen, then the enemy's going to have a, a hold in our minds to say, last time you prayed for that, it didn't. How can you pray again? Why is this time going to be different? How can you believe this is going to be anything different than it was the last time? But we see Jesus. And we are growing and we are learning more and our anointing is increasing. Our love is getting bigger every single day. Every single week we come together and seek after him. We're getting there. We're getting bigger. We're getting better. I love the saying that says, uh, I may not be where I want to be, but praise God I'm not where I used to be. Man, I've got dreams. I've got visions of, of things that I want to do. Each and every one of us have that. And the enemy will come and, and try his best to take all of that away from us. I've prayed for so many people and so many people have not got healed. But I can't have that stop me in saying this word is not true. Your life doesn't reside on the inside of me. But when that does happen, we have to go to the secret place and find out why it did not happen. Because we see Jesus. We keep our eyes on things above. We keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So don't let the enemy come and say to you, this resurrected life, man, it should have been much better. It should have worked differently. If you were all that that you believe you are, then your life would have been better and wouldn't have been the way it is. Jesus never said that. Jesus went through stuff, but he was just, I just do what I hear my father tell me to do. I just do what I see the father do. And you and I are the same keeping our eyes on Jesus. So if you pray for someone and they don't get healed and the next person says they want prayer, you lay your hands on them because we see Jesus. Lay your hands on the sick, they will recover. That's what the word says. That's what I believe. And I don't lower the word to my experience. I should, lower, I should hire my experience to the word. And too many people living the resurrected life the enemy is trying to make that word come down to line up with their experience. Where Jesus said, as the Father sent me, Jesus could not be successful if the Father didn't send him. But now Jesus said to us, as the Father sent me, I send you. In that commission, in his words that he speaks, is the power to be successful. I always say this, but Peter, when he was walking on the, on the water, when Jesus said, come in that word, come, all the molecules of the water heard the voice of the master and they said, we better make tight and Peter should walk on us because he said, come. So in, in the command where he says, now you go as I was sent, in that command is the ability and the power for us to live this resurrected life. And we know much more than we did last year, but next year we're going to know so much more than we do now. So if something doesn't happen, we see Jesus. Nothing else. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. And my faith works because I know that Jesus died for me on the cross. And Jesus died for you on the cross. That's how loved you are. That's why your faith works. Because he loves you that much. Because he sent you and said, go and do the greater works. That's why you lay your hands on every single person you can. That's why you tell every single person Jesus came and he set them free. That's the resurrected life. But it starts with you knowing how loved you are. There's no other beginning. There's no other start but the love of God for us, for you and I. And then our faith will work. We're out of time. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us to live this resurrected life. And we thank you for the victories that we've had, Lord. And we thank you for the things that we have not seen. We believe that we will see, Lord, what your word tells that we can see. We thank you, Lord, that we know that we are loved. And because we are loved, our faith works. Your word says that there's nothing in this world order that faith will not overcome. So we thank you, Jesus, for your faith that we live by. Thank you that you came to show us how to walk 
this walk that every day on this earth we do walk. We thank you that you gave us the right to be called children of God. We thank you that you have placed your spirit on the inside of us so that we never again have to have an orphan mentality. We never again have to have an identity issue, but we know that we are children of God. We know that we have peace with God, and we know that we were called to do greater works so that you may be glorified, Father. So we thank you for your anointing as we leave this place. We thank you for faith that has come because we heard about your walk that you want us to walk and about the call that you have called us with. So as we go this week, we thank you, Lord, that signs and wonders will follow because we are believers. And we thank you, Lord, that we can come and give you all the glory. We bless you and we love you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen.